look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popovich. How you doing, buddy? I'm a little bit drained. Are you? Yep. Been a lot of lot of emotional reaction coming into this election. Yeah. Right. Talking yeah. to people about it. There's. It's people are polarized. They're terrified. Let's talk. We're going to talk about that in the first segment here. I want to. Yeah. I, I think you know we've got a great show today. We're going to talk to one of our special guests, reoccurring senior portfolio manager. We'll be talking about how to make money in these markets. We've been working with him for years now, and we've come to a good relationship that we understand how he does it. So why not share it with everybody? Yeah, well, yes, that would be terrific. Uh, You want to hear this. You want to stick around for this. If your portfolio has not performed well, let's talk about why. And and we're talking like high double-digit returns. Right. If you haven't hit high double-digit returns in your portfolio, you need to know why this guy's done it. And are you terrified about the U.S. election coming up and how if your candidate doesn't get picked, it's going to kill your, your retirement? Let's talk about that. Let's do that. Yeah. Okay? Because we gotta, we got uh, we got to get through these things. They happen every four years. Yeah, and David's flu season, so we want to talk about that and, uh, and how to protect yourself during that. But I think one thing you mentioned earlier uh, before we started the show yeah. was how we're getting a lot of calls from listeners of the show, clients saying, hey, you know, if, if, if Biden wins or if Trump wins, hell's going to pay. We're going to lose all our money. We're going to lose all our assets. The government's going to take over all this. Stuff. It's very, very polarizing outlier conversation that we're hearing. I have yet to get a phone call that someone says to me, hey, Faisal, you know what? Everything's going to work itself out over time. Well, here's the phone call that you'd expect to get at some point. You know what? There's an election every four years, and it's okay. Yeah, we'll figure it out. It, it, we'll you, you, we won't get those calls. You right? don't get them because a lot of the people who know that are not going to make a make a sound about it. Right? They're not going to they're not going to post it right. on the on, on social media. They're not going to give us a phone call. They're not going to email me and say how dare you. <laughs> like they're just going to yeah. they're just going to live life. Right. It's the ones who are getting so tied up into what's happening, and I can understand why they feel this way. But they're getting so involved, so emotionally connected to these issues that we're getting... On the extremes. On on both extremes. extremes. On both extremes. Whatever. It doesn't matter which side you're on. Both extremes. And so let's talk about that. Let's talk about what the heck do you do Mm -hmm. if you have an extreme point of view? Okay. So let's talk about this year because there's a couple of them. Do you remember back in um, at the beginning of the pandemic... Uh, I was doing a media report, and we got an email from a um, from a viewer in this case that was concerned that if everybody didn't stay home and lock themselves in the house, we were all dead. Everybody was dead. The economy means nothing now. Everything needs yeah, to be shut down. Everybody stay in their home, otherwise we're all going to die. This is a, this is an extinction level event. Correct. Okay. And I don't mean to trivialize the reaction. I don't mean to be insensitive to anybody who's had a family member affected by this. That's not the case. But it was an extreme view then. Let's take it back a few years. Yeah. Hey, Greece is going to go under. Right. The European Union is going to fall apart. The euro is dead. They're the largest economic superpower. The world is coming to a close. Brexit, it's going to be a hard Brexit. No business will ever get done in Europe again. Britain is done, right? They're going to invoke um, universal health care in the United States. 
that entire system is going to shut down. It's over. Trump is going to get elected, and he's going to default on Treasury payments to China, and the entire global fiat currency system is going to collapse. These are all real things we've talked about. These are real concerns by real people who react, yes. not only emotionally, but with their dollars, their portfolio, Dave. Right, right. They're actually making decisions about the future with their emotional viewpoint today. Emotional polarized viewpoints, polarized right? Extreme viewpoint. yes. viewpoints. Right? So it's, it's okay to have a viewpoint. It's okay to have a thesis. Absolutely. And they're betting everything on it. That's the problem. Like... I'm not in favor of a lot of things happening in this country. Right. If I actually took an extreme view, I would probably be living at your house. Oh, gosh. Living off your money. Please, God. Hiding my money. <laughs> <laughs> Please, let's get because off Because the last views. thing I want is okay, someone to take my money. <laughs> we're done this segment. I don't want to work. <laughs> right? That would be an extreme view. Yes. Yeah. And I don't want to live with you. Yes. Well, thank you for that. Like, you're a nice guy <laughs> when you're not around. <laughs> That's right. But it's it's <laughs> the problem is that if I took that extreme view, yeah. could you imagine if I acted on it? Yeah. Like, wow. And so what do you do, Dave? Like what's what's the Well, let's first of all let's talk about where it's coming from. You've got to be very careful. What, like why you think about over the past decade or 15 years, the the extremes are getting more and more and more polarized, right? And it's it has to do in my opinion with what we're reading, right? We're getting fed research that supports our view and fed news through social media that supports our view, and it's pushing us to these extremes. I haven't had these. You can you can join me on this and agree or disagree, but I haven't had this many extreme conversations um, than ever in the past. Correct. Okay, so something's going on here. Yeah. So what we need to do is is first of all, I think we need to start moving back to um, more to the middle. Okay, so we have to be reading some opposite, the opposite side, right? You've got to have an opinion on what. If it doesn't happen the way you think it is, yeah. right? It can't be 100%. There's too many moving pieces, too many levers in the global economy, if we're just talking about investing, for there only to be one outcome with 100% certainty. Correct. So if you have that view, first of all, challenge it. Stop there. Just take a deep breath, right? Because if you're going to bet everything on one particular outcome in an environment that's highly uncertain all the time because there's so many different levers, chances are you're going to get caught on one of those bets. Do you remember when, when oil couldn't go down? Yeah. And in this... Yeah, 1974 was peak. Right. And then, let's go back to the, to the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. And, the, and when, we, when we saw that oil price fall and the global financial crises hit, yes. people bet everything on energy. Right. And it collapsed. And they lost all of their money right. and their future. Right based on taking a polarized view, right. so there's nothing else that you can make money on except for energy. Right. You, you're going to take the same thing on, on, on technology right now. Just put everything in the tech sector. It's going to make you money no matter what. Yeah. No. Why go to the extreme? Right. Right. Why put your entire future at the extreme of your position today, regardless if it's rational, irrational, emotional, or unemotional? Particularly for... I think our, our average listener and certainly for the kind of people, the families we deal with. Yeah. You cannot afford to make an all-in bet on only one outcome, particularly, particularly if it's on an extreme, it's a fringe You win bet. a lot if you're right. You lose everything if you're wrong. Right. Why do that? Right. Okay. Okay. So um, let's talk about where we're headed now. We're going to be talking about pandemic. Yes. And how it can be permanent capital destruction for your retirement. 
We're going to talk about how you invest. We're going to talk about the issues that come up, and that's why we want people to stay on, stay tuned on this one because after the break, we're going to talk about this. But we're also going to make a lot of sense of how this is all put together. Mm-hmm. This, uh, this time in our lives when people are transitioning to or living in retirement is one of the most volatile times in people's history as they go into retirement. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of things that haven't worked out. Their housing prices haven't gone up for 13 years in this city. Mm-hmm. Their portfolios are a well, four-letter word. In some cases, yeah. And they don't know if they're going to be able to have income for life. Yeah. So we need to educate, inform, and give them the information that lets them see that there is a way to bulletproof their retirement. Right. And so we're going to discuss that on Tuesday, November 17th, 7 p.m., live online. But you need to register for this. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Okay. Um, st- I really encourage you to stick around to the, uh, after the break. If your portfolio has been hurt through the pandemic or if you're terrified about what the U.S. election is going to do to your portfolio, we're going to shed some light on how to protect yourself and, in fact, profit from that after the break with David Fingold. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, Faisal, we've got to talk about this election that's coming up and, you know, is it going to crush people's retirement? We have had so many questions about this. There's so much fear out there. And this is a, a very interesting time because we're going through this pandemic. Pandemic on top Second, of it. third waves. Europe's taken off in their numbers. Right. Shutdown of the economy. How is the stock market going to survive all of this? Right. Right. So we want to have... Um, some of the smartest people on our show. We've been doing this for a couple weeks now. We're going to bring in another one on our show uh, to talk about how do you make money or where do you invest when it comes time to an election, the pandemic? What kind of processes should you put into your portfolio? Yeah, so we've got David Fingold joining us. He's a vice president and senior portfolio manager of Dynamic Funds. Uh, David, first of all, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me on. So there's this old saying that goes, you know, when we go through a recession or a pandemic or a crisis that the economy is terrible, except for the units of the economy that aren't. And I want to talk a little bit about that <laughs> because it's, it speaks to, I think, uh, process and whatnot. But I, I would like to start the conversation, David, at the sort of at the beginning of the year. And I want to bring some context to to our listeners, to, you know, the average investor, because the, uh, you know, volatility is the friend of people who understand the value of what they own, but it's definitely the enemy of those investors that don't know the value. And so I'd like to get your perspective on how you were positioned coming into the year this year, not knowing that we were going to have a pandemic, and then we can sort of walk through the year and some of the things you've done, and then ultimately maybe in the next segment we can address the election and how that's going to affect everybody's portfolio. So maybe just start at the beginning of the year. Give us a sense of of where you saw value, how you were positioning and then what the impact of the pandemic was? Well, I'd say, first of all, at the beginning of the year, we were bullish. And there was every reason to be bullish uh, simply because you had a whole bunch of pent-up demand being created because a lot of investment decisions were put off in Europe because of Brexit. You had a lot of investment decisions put off because of the trade war with China, so companies didn't know if they should be building their next factory in Mexico or in the United States or or in China or Thailand. So we're trying to get some resolution about tariffs and about trade, and it created a lot of pent-up demand. Uh, Then bad things happened, and I think there's a lot of focus 
on the pandemic, but it's really only one of three things that happened. Uh, so, yes, we had a pandemic with lockdowns, and that caused industrial production to fall more than it has any time since the Great Depression. So, obviously, there uh, was a reaction to that that was necessary, which was temporarily to move away from uh, cyclical businesses because the economy was slowing and to be more defensive. Uh, for instance, to invest in healthcare, uh, these has a very uh, strong long-term record of outperformance plus has outperformed every bear market. But two other things uh, happened during March. You had a price war on oil between Saudi Arabia and Russia. And while energy isn't a lot of global market capitalization, it's a large part of the global economy and uh, the banks have lent a lot of money to oil and gas companies. And then the third piece was that interest rates, I mean, started going to zero. In fact, in many parts of the world, they went negative, and that's negative for financial institutions. Our reaction was back away from anything exposed to energy, uh, back away from financial services because of the low-rate environment. But then, as you know, things bottomed at the end of March the beginning of April. You know, the, the obvious implication of the biggest reduction in industrial production, uh, you know, since the Great Depression is that actually the base of comparison is very, very easy, that any improvement in the economy would be showing strong growth. So, you know, we saw the Fed step in and stimulate. We saw governments around the world step in and stimulate. Um, it was clearly the time to be optimistic because everybody else was pessimistic. So we bought high-quality cyclical businesses uh, while, they were on, while they were on sale. Now, uh, stock market has since then uh, gone to a new record. Uh, in the last uh, 100 years, it's uh, only gone to a new record during a recession three times. And all those three times, the returns were above average over the next 12 months. Uh, the market is trading as if we're exiting a recession. Cyclicals are beating defensives. So we're really in the sweet spot uh, probably for 9 to 12 months here uh, because that time when you exit a recession is the best time to invest. David, let's talk about what changed through the pandemic and even now because was there was there some of the names in your portfolio? Let's talk about the, the U.S. side or even the global side of your portfolio. Were names changing rapidly through this like were you shifting around or were you were you already invested in some format that let you enjoy this entire run-up that you've seen in, in the performance of your of your funds i would say first of all that factually there have been a number of changes but i would also say that it's important to understand that i'm not really tracking that I mean, we look at the portfolio every day and we say, you know, when we look at a company, is it fit for purpose? Is it a sound investment with the information we have? And then we're emotionless about this. So when people look at who the, the most um, challenged businesses have been this year, you know, people call them the COVID losers. Those businesses include, for instance, office buildings, shopping malls, uh, airlines, cruise lines, uh the retailers that could not make the transition to selling online. Those businesses did poorly this year, but they were also doing poorly last year and the year before. The trends that we have seen where people increasingly don't, sorry, use less of those goods and services, those trends have been placed for a long time. And because those were poor trends, we were never exposed to them. 
you know, and I will say that when we went shopping, some of the places, businesses we added to were the ones where we we're very pleasantly surprised about their ability to adapt to this environment, that they were tested in, in fire, trial by fire, and uh, they were able to engage their clients however they needed to. If they couldn't visit their clients, could they sell remotely? If clients couldn't shop their store, could they ship to them via, you know, internet catalog retailing? And you notice with the surviving businesses, they were the ones that either led in those disciplines before or were able to adapt during. And and change comes. I mean, people like to talk about what went on this year is unprecedented. And, and, and I don't want to sound in any way unsen- insensitive to what happened this year, but, you know, we've had interest rates dive to incredibly low levels. Uh, you know, it's happened several times over the last 10 years, and interest rates were very, very low during the 1930s and 40s. We've had price wars on oil before. There was a, a price war between the same, the same thing between Saudi Arabia and Russia during the oil glut, you know, which bottomed, I want to say, in 1985 or 86. Uh, so, things, you know, and as far as pandemics are concerned, I mean, we certainly, you know, can look at the history of what happened with the stock market during the Spanish flu, but we can also look at the Hong Kong flu. These things have happened before, as have wars. Uh, unfortunately, things happen uh, from time to time, and good businesses are going to be structured in such a way that when the world changes, they're structured to, uh, you know, to survive it. You know, what you look for, ideally, of course, is a business that not only survives when bad things happen, but it actually shows their strength and they yep. get stronger. That's right. And in that case, I draw attention to some of our software companies, which were natively cloud computing companies, because there was always a debate, should a business transition from on-premise software to cloud-hosted software? Now there's no debate, because a lockdown might stop you from getting to your own office, but the cloud keeps on going. Uh, so the, the argument for cloud computing has become much stronger, you know, having seen the adversity. And nobody's going to argue in favor of on-premise compute, computing ever in the, per, in the future. It's going to die faster than it was already dying. That's great. You know, we, we do have to go to commercial break. This is a good good segue to talk about coming after the break. We're going to talk about some, some key things like the election and we'll where do you back. invest if you're, if you're a Biden fan or a Trump fan and stuff like that. But we're going to talk about how this type of structure, this type of discipline, mm-hmm. yep. actually can benefit you through your retirement. And we're going to have our, our online webinar. That's on Tuesday, November 17th, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Okay, if you want to know how to position your portfolio for the upcoming U.S. election, stick around after the break. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. We're joined by David Fingold, Vice President and Senior Portfolio Manager of Dynamic Funds. And we were talking, Faisal, before the break a little bit about, um, you know, how David was positioned coming into this, some of the changes that were made. How do you, you know, how do you take advantage of it, protect what, what areas should you be in? A lot of evidence-based investing, right, versus Correct. the emotional stuff Correct. that we often hear about when we're talking to people. How do you stay dispassionate or unemotional there's about it. emotional investing and there's also index investing right and a lot of people are saying the markets have not made money well david fingold has yeah we have it. yep how, how do you make money when you know the markets haven't made money and so that's that's going to now lead us to you know in, well, a, let, in a couple of weeks yeah 
the election. We've got the election. So you can't make money if one, one person wins and the other one doesn't. David, this election is so polarizing for people. Um, you know, the, again, the average investor, when we're talking to people, the, the just sheer amount of fear of, you know, whichever candidate they don't want to win, if they win, it is game over here. I would love for you to get your opinion as a portfolio manager about how you view what's coming here in the next two, uh, in the next two weeks. Well, as a generalization, we view elections as being relatively unimportant. Uh, and I know this is very difficult, especially for Canadians to understand, because we have a completely different system than the United States. Uh, the U.S. has a system that is really significantly full of checks and balances, and the president has very little power, and Congress has very little power. And there have actually been very few changes uh, to the country uh, since their uh, Declaration of Independence, and they, and they wrote the Constitution. The people get confused by this, but the reality is that the elected Senate, which took place around the year 1900, it used to be a Senate appointed by the state houses, was a pretty big change. And, you know, another pretty big change, uh, you know, was uh, the emancipation of the slaves. Um, but there really is, has not been a lot of change. Uh, and, there, you know, I think that's why, you know, people like Warren Buffett, don't worry about politics. It doesn't really mean anything. And I happen to agree with them. I don't believe that anybody should be positioning their portfolio for an election because there's really no outcome that can dramatically change things. The strangest thing about this, of course, is that statistically the market does better when the Democrats are in power, uh, You know, which is one of the reasons why I'm just so confused about the people who are worried about Biden. Now, I don't but, you know, happen to agree with Mr. Biden's policies, but that's irrelevant. My job is to be unemotional, and the statistics are it does. Democrats are in power, and the market's done perfectly well with the Republicans in power, just not quite as much uh, a profit. You know, I think the the other part of it is it's also important to understand when you make your investments, don't make politically levered investments. I mean, there are certain industries that are controversial, and. You know, for example, I have, you know, again, my, my personal opinions about gun control don't matter, but everybody understands the Democrats are very much in favor of gun control, the Republicans very much against it. If there's a Democratic president, then people may rush out to buy guns. They certainly did when the Democrats were in power the last time, and when the Republicans are in power, nobody rushes out. Uh, to buy another gun. So that's a very politically exposed industry. So again, we're simply not participating in that industry for the simple reason that there's going to be another presidential election in four years. There's a congressional election every two years, every six years, potentially every seat in Congress and the Senate can turn over. And when you're talking about a politically volatile industry in terms of people's approval of that industry, I just figure it's not worth it because we make our money by picking good companies that can compound returns over time, which means we need to own them for multi-year periods to get those compound returns. So we'll just avoid the really, really politically sensitive industries. And they're very few. So let's take a look going forward now from the companies that you're seeing, uh, and there might be a list that you're looking at that potentially could be the new, the new companies in the portfolio. What are your expectations of, of where things are headed for 2021? 
Well, we, we expect, look, first of all, uh, we're in a recession. That's, you know, a simple statement of fact. The National Bureau of Economic Research said so, and uh, their word is basically uh, the word of God on that matter. Nobody else is allowed to make that determination. They've said that it may well be the shortest recession ever, which means that it uh, may have ended August 31st or July 31st. Uh, if it ties the record, uh, you know, for the shortest ever, it ended September 30th. The shortest expansion ever is 12 months, which means that the economy is going to grow, even if we get the shortest expansion ever, well into the second half of next year. So when faced with a growing economy, we just we want to be invested in cyclical businesses where there's upside. So if you contrast what we were doing during uh, March and April and May, where the economy was slowing, and we had more of a focus on defensive issues, and you would have seen a much higher proportion of healthcare within our portfolio, uh, you know, and also maybe even technology businesses with uh, more resilient, um, uh, with you know more resilient earnings. We're looking for more cyclical exposure here. So we'd like to benefit from increasing automobile production. We'd like to benefit from uh, uh, increasing um, construction, residential and non-residential. I mean, those would be examples of industries where, you know, we can see plenty of potential for them to improve. You know, and I can tell you right now, the average factory in the United States has never been older. The average automobile, the average home, the average appliance, the infrastructure has never been older. The uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics actually tracks this uh, by its depreciable life. Uh, So we want to take advantage of where the pent-up demand is. Uh, So the answer for 2021 is simply where the pent-up demand is in an increasing economy. Now, if the economy starts to slow in the second half of 2021, you know, we will deal with that then. We're not going to get indications for what the second half of 2021 is going to be like, you know, until five or six months from now. And we'll do what we have to do, just like we did what we had to do earlier this year. David, where do you see the opportunities in a global market? Because here in Canada... And let's even talk about here in Alberta. There's not a lot of optimism about our major industry of oil and gas here. And so many Albertans kind of just say the world's going to to hell because of that. There's a whole bunch of opportunities around the world. So where do you see them? And is there any geographical location that you say this is an opportunity for us to invest in? Generally, the world that way. so part of my view on Canada is obviously informed by the, uh, pres- you know, the extreme presence of extractive industries in Canada. And, you know, they had their 10 years in the sun during the 2000s. And when Canada goes out of favor, we know from experience it goes out of favor for much longer periods of time than it's in favor. Uh, you know, we had a strong commodity cycle in the 1970s, and then the next strong commodity cycle was during the 2000s. When we look at the rest of the world, that kind of overhang doesn't really exist. Um, you know, we have, I mean, there are twice as many people living in countries that import commodities as export them. So it's actually very good for the global economy. The commodity prices are weaker than they were during the 2000s. We also have the ability to, to, to benefit from the consumption patterns, uh, you know, th- th- that are kind of, well, really the opposite. I mean, to be blunt, Nobody's going out there trying to use more energy. Everybody wants to save money on energy. So, for instance, uh, as you know, there's an increasing use of, uh, of electronics in cars. We even have electric cars and we have hybrid cars. You know, I don't think we have a semiconductor company left in Canada. 
But we, you know, but the one of the fastest growing parts of the semiconductor industry is automobiles, and part of the reason why is electrification, which is all part of trying to use less energy. So, uh, you know, we're not spending time worrying about the market for hydrocarbons. We're just trying to think on emotionally about how we can make money. Uh, you know, and, and automobile production, you know, fell from a low of six or, to a low of six or seven million units, I think, during some point in the second quarter. And it can go to uh, 17 or 18 million units at peak a cycle. You know, and, and again, automotive is a very interesting opportunity for another view, from another viewpoint, which is we've seen this tremendous increase in household formation. People are moving out of the cities because they've seen that pandemic is a risk if you live in the cities. And that means potentially more automobiles per household. So it might be the biggest automobile uh, 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 you know, market in terms of the number of units we've ever seen. It's almost a global phenomenon where we see this de-urbanization. People are moving out to the countryside where the population density is lower. And, uh, you know, it, it just appears to be a much healthier uh, lifestyle. Certainly, you know, if you're only looking at it from a COVID point of view, the countries that did best have the lowest population density. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's is good for automotive. Um and it's also, you know, again, another area in the, the, that I just pointed to that I think is very good as well as housing. I mean, household formation has been held down for a very, very long time, and it's exploded and it's heading back to trend. And I think we're only building one and a half million homes. And, you know, we've built over 1.5 million single family homes with a smaller market. And I think you're going to find that the statistics, uh, you know, there's been so much urbanization globally, just the de-urbanization you know, you could see housing markets strong everywhere in the world. They're, cert- they're, they're certainly strong everywhere where we're looking in terms of the new home construction and home improvement, home repair. That's fantastic. And I think that's that's where the, the thing is that we have to remember is yes. emotionally make money. Unemotionally. Unemotionally, unemotionally make, make money. Yeah. Emotionally <laughs> lose money. Yeah. Unemotionally yeah. make Thank money. Thank you. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> Let's be clear yeah, on that. Yeah. I think it's. Being unemotional here is really critical because part of the issue is that, let's say for the sake of argument, there's a vaccine tomorrow. We're still in an improving economy. We had a global recession. We're coming out of recession. Every time that happens, more cars are sold, more homes are sold, more people renovate, more people repair, more appliances are sold, et cetera. Could it be the biggest cycle ever because of de-urbanization if that continues? Sure, maybe not. But you've got the economy in your favor at this point. There we go. David, we're going to have to cut it there and go to commercial break. I want to thank you again for your time today and all of your input. You're welcome. Been joined by David Fingold, Vice President and Senior Portfolio Manager at Dynamic Funds. My friend, let's put all this together in a strategy that takes people all the way through retirement. Unemotionally make money and bulletproof your retirement. We're going to discuss that on Tuesday, November 17th, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register, so go to morethanmoneyradio.com. Okay, join us after the break. We're going to be talking about this year's flu season and what it might look like and how you can protect yourself. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. We've been talking an awful lot about COVID, of course, throughout mm-hmm. the course of this year. But, uh, you know, we're moving into flu season right now. And we got to, um, we, I think we need to think a little bit about what the double whammy impact could be and how do we protect ourselves and... What There's a mean? lot of similar symptoms in the flu yeah. that there is for COVID. That's right. And I think this year, the flu shot is probably more important than well, ever before. And more people are talking about it, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know if more people will get it, but the fact of the matter is it, it is 
more relevant yeah. uh, and timely in terms of the conversation. And then I'm also hearing that it's not worth doing it at all. Right. So let's let's figure let's this out. out. Let's, let's figure this out. All right. Uh, we've uh, we've invited Dr. James Dickinson, who is uh, he's an MD professor at the Cummings School of Medicine, and part of the flu surveillance effort in our province. Um, Dr. Dickinson, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's pleasure to be here. Well, we're loving. We want to. We're we're desperate to get your input here. So you you heard our little tease coming in here. I think there is some confusion around whether or not the the flu this year is going to be better or worse than it has been in the past and what does COVID do to this but maybe just start with uh, what do you what are you guiding us what effect do you have or what can we expect from the flu this year well I think confusion is probably the right answer yeah. at the moment we really don't know what to expect uh, because yes it's likely that we're going to get some degree of flu but with all the things we're doing to protect ourselves from COVID that will also protect us from the flu. Right. So that uh, that is likely we're going to get less flu than usual. But influenza is fickle. Uh, from year to year, it varies so widely uh, that we never quite know, and it can always surprise us. Because after all, it's not just one flu season. Every year we get three epidemics of different sorts of flu. And so that's why we have an injection that has three different components. And in any given year, each different component will work differently against its own particular target. So it's the usual problem that we have every year with the flu. We simply don't know what we're going to face. And the uh, effectiveness of our uh, methods varies widely. So what, what is your opinion or the medical uh, community's opinion of the flu shot? Because there's lots of confusion around it. Um, should you get it? Should you not get it? What are the risks in taking it versus not taking it? Uh, there's very little risk in taking it. A flu shot uh, is designed to be really very benign. Uh, and yes, the worst you can get is a sore arm in general. Uh, so it, it's it's really very little risk, and there is moderate benefit, and that benefit varies, as I said, between year to year and which strain of flu it's working on. But the, the advantage is that it decreases, A, the chance of getting it, and if you get it, it does appear to reduce the risk of getting a severe attack that will put you into hospital or worse. Yeah, I think that's – try to get the extreme – you know, avoid the extreme outcome of it, right? And do we have enough supply to hit the population here in Alberta? This year we have more supply than usual, so we should be able to have plenty of supply for those who want it. I mean, part of the difficulty is predicting how many people will want it. Every year public health tries to make a prediction, and uh, you know, they get it roughly right, but it, you know, we just have to wait and see. Who's demanding which things your advice as uh you know as as part of i guess the surveillance effort and as a doctor your your advice to our listeners with respect to um to the flu shot and particularly those that are older and of course more susceptible not just to the flu but you know covid as well yeah well you know the combination of covid plus flu could be very nasty yes so we should avoid that uh, and yes 
we do have something that will reduce flu uh, severity uh, and the chance of getting it. So it's worthwhile getting that shot. We'll leave it at that, uh, Dr. Dickinson. Thank you very much for a refresher on uh, you know what the flu shot is, should we have it, and uh, and it's available now, so people can go ahead and uh, and take advantage of that. Thank you for your time today. That's right. Thank you. Bye-bye. We've been joined by Dr. James Dickinson, MD, professor at the Cummings School of Medicine. He's also part of the flu surveillance effort in our province. So let's just hope, Faisal, that it's a, it's a mild flu season. Exactly. In part because of all the precautions we're taking with respect to COVID. This whole thing talks about why we have these four buckets in our yes. in our process for retirement health care is a uh, asset class yep you need to have money dedicated to that for some things that could happen in the future potentially yes but it also talks about three other buckets well can i back it up just a little bit sure because you think about the theme of this show and the questions being asked it's all around uncertainty and we talked about there's multiple levers in different areas so right. how do you plan for that well, what you have to first of all do, in our opinion, right, is you have to first of all realize, particularly as you're transitioning to or living in retirement, that you have multiple goals that you're trying to satisfy. Yeah. Right? And, and it's inconsistent to think that to satisfy an income need where you want predictability and sustainability and low volatility, that you can, get, you can maximize growth with that same strategy. So that single, the idea of a single bucket of wealth makes no sense as you're moving into uh, into retirement. It increases the probability of failure. Right, right. And so asset dedication, boy, we've been banging on this table for a long time, and we're passionately you know, trying to educate people about the fact you, you need to evolve your the way you manage your wealth, including health, because we think health is part of your overall wealth profile. It's certainly part of your lifestyle as you age. You've got to manage these things differently. They all have different objectives. Correct. And you need to take different approaches with these Correct. things. Right? And that's the, that's the genesis. That's, that's the reason that 11 years ago, 12 years ago now, we were building out this idea of the four buckets. Help people start, uh, what, what, what do we say, like just ripping apart the assets that they've accumulated throughout their life. Yeah. And then, so deconstruct that and then reconstruct it in a way that supports this next phase of the journey, the one we call retirement. And what people don't realize is that the impacts of not having an asset dedication approach does not get realized until you're 10, 12, 15 years into retirement. I'd like you to speak very, very briefly because we're, we're running out of time about a conversation you had this week um, with a person that's a do-it-yourselfer yeah. and has done very well over the last three years yeah. from an investment He's done very well over the last three years, made lots of money in the portfolio that he's been managing himself. And he goes to me, he goes, Faisal, I don't need your money management skills. Right. I can do this all by myself. I said, great. So then why are you here was right. the first question. His wife dragged him in to talk to me, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. And, then, and then he goes, well, I can just make money in the market to cover my needs. And I'll give you an easy example. He needed to make about a 7% rate of return. Right. Okay, so if I just make 7% every single year phase, that's all I have to do. I've been doing that for the last three years. And I go, if you could make 7% every single year without failure, I would suggest you call Warren Buffett because right. you'll kick his butt in performance. Right. You'll kick his butt in performance if you can do it every single year. And how did your portfolio go during the, the COVID crisis and the crash that happened? Oh, I was down 20%. Did you need money from your portfolio? No. So it recovered and you made more profit? Yes. What if you needed money during that month? that two months that you were down 20%, right. then what do you do? Right. And he looked at me and goes, I don't know. Right. 
That, that to me, was such an interesting conversation. What a change in objective. He just right. realized right. that he went from, I don't need this money so I can let it grow, right. to now I need this money, I better look at this differently. Right. And I said to him, I don't care if you invest with me or not, it doesn't matter. But if you don't have an asset dedication, a four-bucket approach to your portfolio, right. get ready for the problems that you're going to face the next time we have a 20% drop. Exactly. And it doesn't recover in two or three or four months. Correct. That's the problem, right? Uh, okay, I think we've gone on long enough about that. But what we have to do is continue the education around these four buyers. Absolutely. Okay, and we're going to do that at our, um, our next webinar. Yeah, webinar is going to be on Tuesday, November 17th, 7 p.m. live online. You need to register for this, so go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Okay, I want to thank you for tuning in for another edition of More Than Money uh, on 770 CHQR, and we look forward to speaking with you next week, one week closer to the U.S. election, and we'll, uh, we'll update you then. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodcundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodcundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodcundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.